the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy. And I'm the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. We always uh, like to put our radio programs up online, and so I want to encourage you to take a look at our website, www.nvcoc.net. You can learn about the congregation there, and if you click on that radio mic, you'll find not only this program, but all the episodes that we have recorded in the past, they'll be up there as well. So we want to encourage you to go take a look at that. Uh, you'll find the, the lesson we did on Philippians last week, which, which was chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. And this afternoon, I have two other guys here with me on the program. I have Chad Turnwall. Chad's a member here at North Valley. He's actually here in studio. And he's been helping me with uh, on the house. He's a general contractor. He helped add a couple of rooms to it. You remember, remember me talking about that. And today we're putting up some shelves. And so for payment, I'm going to let him be on the radio program. Chad, it's good to have you here with us today. Good to be here. Thank you, Chris. And also, uh, same as last week, Sage Bridges is here all the way from Texas via cell phone. Sage, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Chris. I'm, I'm so glad to, to be back with you today. Awesome. Man, you guys, I appreciate you being here. And we're going to be looking at Philippians 1, starting in verse 12, uh, to t- eight, the first part of verse 18. And uh, this, this is one of the prison epistles. And you know when you think about it, when, when someone's in prison, what, what, what kind of reaction do you think they're going to have? What kind of attitude, Chad, do you think someone's going to have if one of your friends goes to prison and you call them up? How do you think their attitude is going to be? Are they going to be all happy and cheerful? Well, I sure wouldn't be. That's well, not a place that I'd want to be. Yeah, you would think nobody would be happy. Nobody's happy there. Sage, you ever meet anybody who's ecstatic to be in prison? No, I don't think so. I, I think that uh, that that would be that would be difficult for anybody to deal with, especially uh, you know the whole mental side of things. You know, even even set set emotions aside, that would be something difficult to deal with for anybody. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Now, I, I want to do. I do want to say this. Now, so Paul's in prison. He's in Rome. He's in prison, and he writes this joyful letter to the Philippians. But he's, his joy isn't isn't what I'm about ready to say. This is a, a point of happiness for him, I think, but it's not the joy he'll be talking about in Philippians. But we got to remember that when Paul was on his missionary journeys, he would go to town to town to town preaching the gospel. How easy was it for him, Sage? Was it easy pickings? Was he just mosey on along with no problems? Uh, it definitely uh, would not have been an easy task to accomplish, especially uh, someone who had probably a lot of other things on his mind, a lot of other things that he would have been concerned with. Um, and then the, the Judaizers it, it, trying to chase him out, or not Judaizers, but the Jews exactly. trying to chase him out, stoning him and leaving him for dead. 
uh, throwing, hurling threats at him, attacking the congregations and the, the new converts, and all that stress and, uh, and pain and anguish. And then when he's imprisoned there in Rome, uh, Luke tells us this at the very end of uh, Acts chapter, uh, of the book of Acts in Acts chapter 28. It says in verse 30, And he, Paul, stayed two full years in his own rented quarters and was welcoming all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching concerning the Lord Jesus Christ with all openness. And here's the key word, the last word in the book of Acts, unhindered. He's not being attacked. He's chained to a guard. No one can abuse him and hurt him. And he has his own rented quarters, and he can receive people. That sounds like a blessing, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> Man, he's got to yeah, be accepted. Yeah. This is the best, the, probably the easiest part of his ministry was being in prison. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think that concept of being unhindered is, is kind of a, a key thought to this section because Paul is really... Uh, trying to get the Philippian church to understand that he wants their work to continue, uh, even though there there are difficult times and, and things that are getting in their way, and he kind of gets more specific about that in chapter four. But yes. uh, you know, in, in twi- twice in in chapter one, he says in verse six, you know, uh, that they uh, may bring uh, bring their works to completion, or you know, he says specifically uh, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And then again, down in verse ten. Uh, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. So he's wanting them to continue with the good works that they started, and uh, you know, regardless of circumstance. Absolutely, and that's and he's going to give them some examples of how he's doing this in the section we're going to look at this afternoon. But absolutely, uh, one of the concerns the Philippians may have is, hey, is this going to hinder? The, the spreading of the gospel message. And so they're, they're worried. And so Paul's letting them know, no, not at all. And so let's, let's read Philippians 1, verses 12 to 18. I'll read it out loud. Now I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel, so that my imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. And that most of the brethren trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking to cause me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this, I rejoice. I want to start off by looking at the Praetorian Guard there in verse 13. Paul said, My imprisonment in the cause of Christ has become well known throughout the whole Praetorian Guard and to everyone else. Now, the Praetorian Guard <clears throat> is usually understood as the emperor's bodyguards. Uh, these men were handpicked. They received double pay. They, they received the special privileges. We think there were around 9,000 such soldiers primarily stationed in Rome, but some would be dispersed throughout parts of the empire. Now, Paul's case was known throughout this group of soldiers. Uh, he would likely be chained to one of these men at various times when he was being transported to and from court or on other occasions. 
We know from Luke's account of this imprisonment that he was incarcerated for two years. We read that a moment ago. And so the soldiers had ample opportunity to get to know this man, Paul. And, and this isn't some new thing they did. They were chained uh, up to these prisoners all the time. And like we already discussed, these guys are not going to be in the greatest of moods. And they're going to be depressed or they're going to be angry and these guards would have to deal with this or maybe you have to kind of beat these guys into submission to make them go where they needed to be. But Paul was an unusual case. And when that happens, when you when you have your job and you, you expect people to react a certain way and they don't, it gets your attention, right? It does. It, it would get my attention. And, and so Paul did not follow this general pattern of the criminal elements so that they were routinely encountering. His case was based on his preaching his religion, something of anomaly, again, for these men. We may imagine that their contact with Paul allowed them to you know, ask questions and also provided uh, uh, Paul with the opportunity to teach them about Christ. And they would also be present at his court hearing, and they would listen to his testimony curiosity about him and this unusual case and this interesting uh, man would, would have spread throughout the military grapevine so that the whole guard would be familiar with Paul and his circumstances. I mean, if I was a guard and, and I had that duty, and they, I, I can almost imagine, you know, the Praetorian Guard are all set up in some sort of ready room and they're handing out assignments saying, okay, who wants to get Paul? I'll be showing up my hand. Oh, man, I want Paul. <laughs> yeah, that guy's an easy one. I'd love to go over there. That guy's happy. He makes my day easy. And so the conversation about Paul not only went through all the Praetorian Guard, but it even spread to everyone else. I think this has to refer to people throughout the city of Rome. People were becoming familiar with the case, and they were being made aware of the reason for his trials and the, the religious beliefs that he was preaching. Christ was being made known throughout the city because of Paul's imprisonment. What a blessing. Paul's not discouraged by his circumstances because of the great results that he is seeing in the progress of the gospel. For Paul, the preaching of the gospel is priority number one, no matter the risk. And, and the risk is, and, and in these court hearings, life or death. I think at this point in the letter of Flip to Philippians, he, he has a pretty good idea that this is going to be um, pro- probably going to be let go from this. He's, he's going to mention that. But that's the way I see this situation with the Praetorian Guard and with everyone else. Uh, any, any thoughts you want to give on that, Chad? Or we'll start with Chad. Well, I agree. I think <clears throat> it was it was a blessing to be put in prison, even though prison back then was a lot worse. When you look at the prisons today, huge difference between the prisons and <clears throat> being able to preach the word with without being beaten and or unhindered and <clears throat> right yeah. and 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 then it's spreading to all the guards and of course the guards they go to they talk to their family they talk to other people and that's that uh, yeah, great. And, and then there's that the the guard who was chained to paul and took him to rome and all the situation that happened with that in the book of acts remember the the ship was going down and paul told them hey look you can't we gotta uh, swim ashore and that guard uh usually they kill off all the uh, uh the people the, the uh, prisoners, but the guard wouldn't let him do that because of Paul. And he saw all these things about Paul and what happened with the circumstance with Paul. And you know he had to have spread that news to the other guardsmen. And now they're seeing and hearing these other things. I mean, no wonder people, even in Caesar's household, are going to be converted to Christ. Paul's attitude is all about the attitude. Sage, your thoughts. Oh, I, I, I completely uh, agree with what you're saying, Chris. I 
I uh, when I when I read this passage, I'm I'm reminded about how uh, how so many things can get in the way of us, us preaching the gospel, whether it be our own personal circumstances or uh, whether or not we think uh, a an opportunity is so difficult or so challenging that. Um, that, you know, it just seems unlikely. It seems like it, it, it might even be impossible. When you look at Paul preaching to the Imperial Guard, uh, that seems like, uh, you know, on the surface, if you're a first century Christian, that's, that's almost an impossible situation or, or such an unlikely situation that it seems impossible. Uh, but Paul, even though he has impossible circumstances and he is dealing with almost an impossible audience, people who you would think would never want to have anything to do with Christianity. Uh, you know, God finds a way to get them the gospel. God finds a way to use Paul in those circumstances and, and still uh, teach individuals who, who may be listening and who may be uh, wanting to wanting to hear what, what God has to say for them. Uh, you know, the, the entire section leading up to this part is talking about how God is working through the Philippians, and, uh, and now Paul is saying, even though I'm in these difficult situations, God is still working through me in my prayer that, that God will bring your good works to completion until the day of Jesus Christ um, is, is something that's possible, and I'm, I'm completely confident that this is going to happen for you. So yeah. he's trying yeah. to remind the Philippians of this. Absolutely, yeah. And, and good point about you know God is still working through Paul. And so you know, that's a, that's a, you're right, as a general statement, but let's, let's focus in on that for a moment. How is God working through Paul? It's Christ in Paul. No longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I, now, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. Paul died. And he is letting the, the life of, uh, of, of Christ to live through him. And Sage forgot to unplug his phone. <laughs> I, I, I wonder what that sound was. <laughs> He'll, he'll remember next time. <laughs> but I, I, I found this um, illustration, or a story, not illustration, it's a, a story I want to use as an illustration, and it, it just works perfect in this passage. Uh, there was a preacher. He had been highly uh, regarded uh, as, as a preacher in his hometown, but he had retired. He was on a limited income, trying to get by. And so he was real excited when some businessmen had approached him and said that they wanted him to be part of their company. And so because of his uh, reputation, they wanted him to be their treasurer. He was given a really nice salary uh, to sign the company's paperwork, make out all the checks. But the company turned out to be a fraud. The businessmen were dishonest. And when the officers of the company were taken to court, the only man whose name was on the paperwork was this preacher's name. So he went to jail. He hadn't done anything wrong. You know, how would people in this world respond to that situation? Man, that's not fair. Where I, I deserve my rights, you know, and all this, and, and whining and complaining. I know, I'll be honest, I would, I would. I would be furious. But this guy didn't think about it that way. He saw it as an opportunity to continue to serve the Christ he, he served. And he began a prison ministry. He preached, counseled baptized fellow prisoners into Christ. He lived as a free man because of his love for Christ. And he was willing to live for him in, in no matter what situation he found himself in. He didn't just live for Christ when things were going well. He lived for Christ even when life got unfair and difficult. And that's the essence you know, of being a real Christian. True. Sometimes, Chris, I, 
I believe that we're going to be faced with circumstances where we're going to have to choose between uh, whether or not we fight for ourselves and our own rights or, or fight for the cause of Christ. That's right. Um, sometimes there's, there's not room for both. Yeah, and the best way to view every time those situations come up about my rights and my this or my, the best thing to think about is remember, I died. I'm dead. Mm-hmm. I can't fight for me anymore. I fight for Christ. And what I'm doing now, does this project the attitude that God wants in his people? And we know the yep. answer. And sometimes we block it out because we don't want to do that. But it's hard. Paul is giving us a great uh, um, message here to the Philippians to us today about the right kind of attitude that we need to have in, in whatever situation. All right, we're at 60 minutes. Let's, we're not going to get through the whole thing, but let's go to the next part. In verse 14, Paul turns uh, to the effect his situation is having on his fellow Christians there in Rome. Verse 14, he said, And that most of the brethren, trusting in the Lord because of my imprisonment, have far more courage to speak the word of God without fear. I love the New American Standard Bible. That's the Bible I use, but I think they may have added too much when translating this part. Uh, There where they said, trusting in the Lord. In the Greek text, it simply reads like this. And the majority of the brothers in the Lord. Paul is simply stating that these are brothers in Christ, and their courage or confidence was due or uh, due to or because of his imprisonment. And now they speak the word of God without fear. Because of Paul's situation, most of the Christians have now found courage to speak out openly about Christ. Now, I think this might be to the, due to the fact that after two years of following his case, they can see he's going to be acquitted and released. But also, they've seen the example set by Paul. His speaking out without fear, even when the Roman Empire had come down upon him, has given them all increased courage. Now, I want to get a, get your thoughts on that. Chat, what's your thoughts? Uh, what, what, what do you want to know? Well, um, um, those shy brothers well, and Paul's I, attitude about you know really preaching, even in the in the light that here's the greatest, strongest nation in the world <laughs> that could just snuff out anybody, and he just he, he doesn't. Well, they're pay seeing it. what Paul's doing while he's in prison, and and they're seeing you know that the the guards are even listening to, yeah. to what he's what he's doing while he's in prison. So yeah, they're thinking, well, that's a good point. If he's in that. prison and doing this. Why can't we do this? We're we're walking free. Absolutely, yeah. It, look at the attitude. Yeah. And attitudes are contagious. Yep. Conta- I, I don't know how many times where I'd be kind of down and out or upset about something and frustrated, and I'll leave the office to try to clear my head and walk over at the house, and the kids are all laughing and giggling and happy, and that just it makes me happy. And it, it brightens my day. And at the, that, when people see attitudes in, in their leaders and those whom they, they trust and love, it gives them encouragement. Whenever I feel down in my preaching, I call up Guy Orbison, my, my, my teacher, and he encourages me. When other fellow preachers call me and they're down and out, man, I give them as much encouragement as I can, and it becomes infectious. Sage, your thoughts? Well, I... I, I totally understand what y'all are, are saying and, and I I think that that's important for us to realize because uh, you know sometimes you know especially when Paul talks about his life and uh, things of, of that nature 
he, you know, he gets a lot of criticism from commentators saying that, you know, he's talking about himself uh, a lot and that he, you know, is almost boasting and those kinds of things. And that's not really the case at all. He's trying to show uh, these individuals that, that, you know, if I can do it and, and if this can work out for me, then, and of course, it, it can work out through through you as well because it's, it's God who's working through you. Um, and and when, you know, when we when we see the examples of others going through uh, going through trials and uh, coming out on the end, other end okay and ha- actually having it work out for the for the cause of Christ and that can be something that can boost our confidence and we I think we experience that every day and, and he's just uh-huh. simply sharing that with him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's like a um, a general in war. If you're the leader of a battalion or a group or the whole company, whatever it might be, let's say a general. And they're out there uh, fighting this war, and then the generals, like I say, I say it's the old time, and he's on a horse, and the men are out there fighting, and then the general and his men that are around him turn tail and run. What are their men going to do? Do you think that's going to yep. give them heart to keep fighting? No way. But if their leaders think it's hopeless, then they're going to think it's hopeless. But if that leader pulls out his sword and charges down ahead, what does that make the soldiers want to do? Fight. I, if he can do it, if he's going to go out there and lead like that, I'm right there with them. And these, these Christians in Rome are seeing that from Paul. They probably knew he was coming. Had you hear that Paul was arrested? They're bringing him up here to Rome. What, what, what's going to happen? Do you, do you think they're going to come get us next? And then Paul shows up. And then they begin to hear the rumors about the Praetorian Guard and, and how, what happened with the trip to Rome. And, and then they keep they go, in, in kind of like Peter did when Jesus was arrested. They're in the background watching, seeing what's going on. They're hearing him speak the words of Christ before Caesar <laughs> in his court. <laughs> oh, man. And, and after all those years, and he looks like he's going to get acquitted. If he can do it, and he can stand before Caesar... Surely I could do this out there in in the uh, uh, in the crowds and in the streets, and that's going to give them all the more courage to speak the word of God without fear. Why? Why are we? When I say well, I'm talking about true Christians in the world today, why are we so scared to preach the word of God? What what is it? I I, I think. I used to think people were just scared of persecution. I think that, that fear is still there, but it's not as prominent as the fear of people don't know what to say. If you don't know what to say, that's because you don't know the word. If you're not familiar with the things of Christ, you're going to be scared to say anything to anybody because you don't know what you're talking about. It's like when you're in school and you have to give a presentation that you only studied finally that morning. How how confident are you in getting, giving that presentation, man? You're not. You got to be ready. You know, like go ahead. Like what you said. Like what you said, Chris. I I believe that um, you know there there are definitely more than one answer to that to that. But uh, I believe that you know maybe us as church leaders have become too timid, and and perhaps that that's trickled down into uh, you know into those who are watching and those who are who are trying to learn, and and that. That kind of uh, ripple effect into this spirit of timidity that uh, that Timothy was uh, warned against by Paul, and you know it's it's one of those things where if we if we want if we want others to be more bold, if we want others to be 
uh, you know, less afraid of, of preaching the word and, and, you know, everything that comes with it. And we're going to we're going to have to start doing that ourselves. Being absolutely that is it. Exactly. It always comes down to the attitude and it starts on the top and it works its way down if the leaders' attitudes are poor, it's going to affect the congregation. If the preacher's not studying in, in the Word and, and presenting that to the congregation, who else is going to do it? And so, yeah, you're right, Sage. We, we, we got a, a crisis of uh, leadership in the church. And so we gotta got to help our fellow brothers and sisters out, help our fellow preachers out, encourage them, and, and try to help them to, to really want to get to know the Word, study hard for every Sunday, and have things ready. Good point. Well, we're at 24 minutes. Uh, we're not going to get much into this, but let's go ahead and move into the envious preachers. Uh, we're not going to get as much time on that as I wanted. But here, among the uh, the brothers, uh, there are these. You know, there's different motives for speaking out for Christ. There in verse 15, some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife. This suggests that some are actually envious of Paul and that their intention is to cause him trouble in their preaching. Now, why in the world would anybody be envious? We, we know the answer to that question. It's experience. We all seen probably preachers who are envious of other preachers. Usually it's because one brother has greater success or greater gifts in the proclamation with the word. And that, that arouses some kind of envy in smaller-minded individuals. Now, that word envy does not... The word envy does not merely mean that somebody had a desire to possess to possess what another possessed without really, you know, having a grudge against that individual. What it really means here in this context is to have a desire to deprive the other person of the desired thing rather than gain it for themselves. It's with an attitude of envy. These guys' intention is to cause strife. That's a term that means to cause discord or contention, and it likely means that these guys wanted to cause a rift between Paul and other Christians. Verse 17 elaborates upon this. And you know what? If we're at 26 minutes. Uh, we're, we're going to do next week, we're going to start back up. We're going to, I'm going to hit this again, verses 15 and, and 17. I don't want to break this up in, in the middle. So I'm going to go ahead and stop that there. We're not going to dive into that. So if you're listening on the radio, you're going to have to come back next week. If you want to hear the rest of the story, <laughs> you got to come back next week. And uh, hopefully, maybe maybe Chad will be back with us. Maybe not. But I know Sage will come along if he's not doesn't have anything going on. Sage, thanks for being here with us today. Chad, thank you. Thank you. And folks, let's uh, as we close this out. Always remember to to keep a good attitude because we have to redeem the time. Make the most of every opportunity that God affords us. We're a little over time, but again, thank you for being here and may the Lord bless you in what you do. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. To hear this program again, go to FamilyValuesRadio1010.com and click on the podcast page and find this program and many others right there on FamilyValuesRadio1010.com. 
Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.